0: I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Yeah. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan.
1: I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Oops! The Podcast. I am Julio Gallarati. I am joined by Francis Ellis. Francis, how are you? Swell. That's good. Swell's good. Swell. Period.
2: I am swell.
1: That's great, man.
2: Swell like a surge in the ocean, <laughs> like swell, a surfer's dream.
1: Like a sur- before we start, I want to just um, re- mention you guys that we're starting in OnlyFans. Um, mm. <laughs> the baseline will get you guys, you know, warmed up a little bit. But if you want to see the action, you're going to have to tip twenty bucks on top.
2: I, I, <laughs> we didn't talk about this. <laughs> This is, uh, this is, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people would pay for that. There... we do the podcast, what, shirtless? Is that what we would do?
1: Dude, I'm going to be honest. I think that there's a market of them, of people who would pay to see you naked for sure. Like, maybe not me.
2: Dude, did I tell you, did I tell you, um, this, that I, you know, I've been back in the gym You did the tell last me that, three yeah. weeks and how good it is to see Jack Dudes again? <laughs> No, it's, I'm dead serious. You
1: haven't mentioned that to me.
2: How good it feels to sort of, you know, finish a set of something and then look around and just see guys who are, you know, really jacked. It just, it's awesome. I love <laughs> jacked dudes. <laughs> I really do. I love dudes that are really jacked. I, because I can appreciate. it. I know how hard it is to get there, and I just think myself, well, well, you know, th- that guy. That guy is is so good. He's so good at looking at his body's great, Uh, you know, rippling muscles, filling out his shirt. You know, they got that their backs are like a V. It just goes out. Oh, man, I love seeing Jack dudes. I have so much more appreciation for them. I don't know what it is.
1: Big back, tiny waist.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Triceps, you know, that look oh, like yeah. they're they're like hiding sausages in their arms or something. <laughs> Just snakes of muscle.
1: They certainly hide them in their pants. Yeah,
2: the I, next step. I also really like jacked dudes who don't have tattoos. Interesting. Because here's the thing: when you have a tattoo and you're a jacked dude, you have to stay jacked. That tattoo is like an insurance policy.
1: That's funny. That
2: forces you to maintain your muscle.
1: If you get too, yeah, you're right cuz the the tattoo will sort of morph.
2: It'll become this dead, slack kind of loopy weird thing. <laughs> you know, where it, 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 if it's stretched, if it was if it was tattooed onto your nicely muscled body, then once you let that go, it no longer it would be like a basketball that has you know Wilson written across it as a brand, and then if you deflated the basketball, you're like, I can't even read what that fucking says anymore.
1: It just says W son.
2: Yeah, this <laughs> just a mess of pathetic deflated letters.
1: That's hilarious. That's like the bon- boner uh, tattoo. It's like the same concept, but much more gradual.
2: What's that? What's it's the- like
1: the, all right, but like you know, if you get a boner, you're it makes the tattoo extend. And then when you're limp, it's now a small tattoo. Are like, people tattooing their dicks? I think that there are people who have. Yeah. Come on, dude. You know, what's funny. I remember when I was a kid, I just thought that any tattoo artist would be willing to do that. <laughs> and I'm realizing that there's definitely like a niche market. Like you definitely need to ask like yeah. who the people who are down to do the tattoo dick tattoos and Prince Albert's are. Yep. For those, of you, I'm sure everyone knows what that is, but it's when you pierce your dick. Yes, looks really painful.
2: It certainly sounds painful.
1: Yes, Chris. When you get, do you Is have to right? take really? You have to oh, yeah, have an erection
2: sense. in order to pierce your penis. Oh no! Okay.
1: Or you have to have fucking Michelangelo doing the tattoo. Otherwise, like,
2: yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like the yeah. absolute
1: expert on it. But you're right; you must have to take a Viagra or something. I wonder, or one of those samurai pills. You ever take one of those?
2: No, (laughs) I have not. I've never been in a situation where I was in some 7-Eleven desperate for, you know, help getting an erection. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if I were to ever take erectile stimulants, I would need them to be of of a brand name. I understand. For sure.
1: So you want to hear something? I took one one time. Yeah, And that sounds like a lie. It's not. I swear to God, I took one of those samurai, whatever the fuck they're called. The
2: wolf on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> Glitter. Yeah,
1: there's some kind of like pre-
2: holographic wolf yeah, pack.
1: I don't know why there's always like a predator on it. It's because like, they are they're clearly virile. not a predator. No, yeah, it, it makes like, sense.
2: Uh, you know, you want to have sex with the strength Be like of a, the tiger. six wolves. Dude, yeah,
1: <laughs> So dumb. But anyway, one day, like I was uh, hanging out with a girl who I was seeing or whatever. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't feeling it. And like... I kind of felt bad about it and like I didn't want her to feel bad and it got really weird and I just like literally like we're half naked and I'm like, oh my God, I just remember I, co- I have a comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> so I left her apartment. I walked around for two hours. I, what? Yeah, I just walked around like killing time like acting like I had this comedy show. I then went and bought one of those samurai pills just in case because I was like in my head now and when I walked in her door like they, they make you feel hot. Like, physically hot. I walked in. I was like. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was like that, dude. Like, all the blood rushes to your head. (laughs) It was like.
2: your body just fighting off infection. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And then we just had, like, hours of, like, primal. So, it worked. Yeah. It works. And it makes you have, like, a real, like, your best showing. As far as not sexually, but this like is
2: crazy, I, I always visually, thought...
1: you look the most impressive you've ever looked.
2: No way. All
1: the blood is rushing. You're like thick. You're fucking rocked up. You're just ready to fucking party, uh, dude.
2: Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I, I'm too nervous to take them.
1: Yeah, I don't recommend it. I had a really bad headache. I've heard
2: time. that. <laughs> you know, I had, I had friends in college who would get bootlegged Viagra. Yeah. Or the other big name one. I don't know. Celsius? No, no, something. No, no, uh, I know what
1: you're talking about, but I don't not remember. Not Celsius,
2: obviously, but whatever. The, the one with the bathtubs. The one with the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they would take it because they would get so drunk that they couldn't, you know, right, feel anything. And then this would allow them to get an erection. And not only would they get an erection, whatever they would finish in pretty quick time. For them, it was the regeneration. I've heard that. That it was it allowed them to go for another round much more quickly. Totally. That the rest period in between was was much shorter. Totally. And um you know when they told me this they were using it into into being 24, 25 or whatever and it was as if I I just remember thinking I don't really need to have sex two or three times in a night. Totally. You know? Totally. It's I, It's short
1: sighted, like sure, you seem cool for like two hours, yeah, but then you fuck your dick up, do you, dude, yes, I know kids who like used to take it when they were teenagers all the time, and oh and that's now, true, and now they can't get up hard on anymore, and they're like twenty five
2: see that's it i I wouldn't want up. to become reliant on dude, it. It. it's
1: not that is the one place where it is not worth it. I know I just told that story, and I know I told one other dick pill story, but those are the only two I have, and I'm glad that I've never taken anything else because like. I'm in my thirties now, like there's no way my dick would work.
2: Yeah, I think once you open that can of Pringles, you
1: <laughs> you can't stop.
2: You're eating Pringles the rest of your life, <laughs> once man. You
1: pop, you can't stop. That's baby. exactly
2: it. You can't go back to normal, you know, means of of getting turned on. And I just think uh, it's fine to use it if you really need to, but it should be a last resort, sort of. Agreed. There's a reason that the majority of those users are are in their, like, 70s. Totally. This is your last resort. You have uh, months to live. Totally. And if you want to get a few more pipes in yeah. <laughs> with a dick that, you know, you haven't felt anything down there in, in two decades. Dude, totally. Since the Reagan era. it's <laughs> 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 just no responsiveness. Um,
1: Dude, well... <laughs> That made me think of something. Like, imagine if you're on death row, you could choose to have sex with like professional sex workers instead of having your last meal. Is that true? I don't know, but that could be, that should be offered. Like, instead of being like, I want to fucking whatever, steak all a poivre or whatever, you get a threesome with like two professionals. Yeah. And
2: just eat the prison food. I just tend to think that there aren't so many. uh, uh, Imagine being a professional sex worker who the the state correctional facility had on their radar right so like (laughs) there's like a connection between the this means therefore like a you know a vetted kind of person (laughs) with a with probably some kind of profile and credits and (laughs) maybe a baseball card of some sort (laughs) Stella yeah Stella right (laughs) and is she going to be so desperate that she's willing to come have sex with a someone who's about to get the gallows
1: let me tell you something dude this is the dream job for a professional sex worker no they, they put you God. on retainer <laughs> you're just always getting paid there's no risk involved
2: there is risk you're, profe- involved. you're monitored do you think of of all the people that a professional sex worker could sleep with don't you think a death row inmate would be the last person
1: I think it would be the first person you're actually mean, doing meaningful things. Oh, that is so <laughs>
2: altruistic! You're such an idealist in that. In that, <laughs> because that person, even if they're not allowed, you know, weapons in their cell, they're still going to try to. They're going to do some bad stuff, and then what? A guard's going to jump in and pull you apart while you're yeah. both naked. Yeah, a guard. He's going to gonna do some watches. horrible stuff to that poor professional sex worker.
1: You know, I don't know, man. You know, you've been on death row 10 years. Maybe, you know, you're, sensi- you're a little more sensitive now. You appreciate the, the feel of a woman All right. or a man. You're, you're picturing
2: you're picturing these, you know, movies that have been made about falsely but what accused. What movies
1: have been made about this?
2: About falsely accused. Death row inmates <laughs> who are, Banging you know, truly have, have held on to their hope. And, you know, maybe maybe their girlfriend 15 years ago put herself through law school and then came to their defense. And at the very last second, DNA evidence uh, exonerated them. But the reality is, I think a lot of death row inmates have, you know, every inch of their face is tattooed and they've got like fangs that have been, you know, surgically implanted. They've slit their tongue and pierced both sides. That's the guy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the guy sending
2: Stella the to. guy
1: who works at hot topic
2: <laughs> <laughs> hot topic on steroids yeah,
1: hot topic.
3: yeah
2: you're you're talking We're about guys in. that have like committed crimes I mean you know the death the death penalty is not levied lightly
1: right people I, have committed crimes against humanity yeah
2: yeah the death penalty <laughs> is is I mean the crimes for which people are sent to whatever the needle I guess the injection now are so horrific that they you don't even hear about them that often.
1: Um, right, right. It's like
2: home invaders who murdered and and raped everybody in the house and then burned it down. That happened, right? It did. Cheshire, and I, that's the Cheshire murders. What's is that? New Connecticut? Yeah. So a friend of mine who was working in the the DA's office in Connecticut was like privy to that case, Dude. and he would tell us about the updates. And I just, it just made you think, you know, the people who did this aren't human.
1: Dude, we, I was in Connecticut uh this past weekend performing. I performed in Southington and then I performed in Colchester. And to get to these places, I had to drive on uh 84, which goes across Connecticut. And it's crazy. When I was in high school, I would drive on 84 and like in the city called Waterbury, there's this big cross on a mountain. It's like kind of creepy. But now since then, like that was like 2000. 2000- I know
2: that city. I've driven yeah. by that before.
1: Right, so that was like two thousand three. That was before both Sandy Hook and those Cheshire murders happened, and those are both along that road. You wow. pass by Sandy Hook and Cheshire, and it's like creepy as fuck, dude. Yeah, it's like, what a tragic, yeah. what a tragic route. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, the Crazy Cheshire, because I remember Connecticut wasn't exactly a state where people were, you know, stomping their feet. In in favor of the death penalty. Right. And it was happening so it was still a state where it was allowed, but it was so infrequent that, you know, I feel like they were on their way to, to voting it out. Right. But then this crime happened. And I, I think enough people universally were like, this is the one that we've been waiting for. We've held on to the death penalty for this. Right. And the defense attorneys were advocating. For, you know, life in prison, like multiple life sentences, Mm -hmm. solitary confinement. Maybe I have the facts wrong, but it was like, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do anything. We're willing to broker a deal just to avoid the death penalty. And the prosecution, I think, went forward with with said, no, we're not accepting that. And in most cases, they will.
1: Chris, what? Chris is fact checking this. They both both got the death death penalty.
2: penalty. Have they been executed? They have been.
1: Those guys deserved it, bro. I mean that. Like, if if I don't even want to talk about it, it's so fucked up.
2: It's, it's so fucked. The up. Cheshire
1: Murders or something. There's a documentary about it that will ruin your week. So yeah, it's not. If you're feeling like that's something you're it, into, check it's, it
2: out. You know, we talked about. We don't mean to get grisly here, but I guess we tend to. We've been tending that you way. Get a little, little bit. gruesome. It's tough times, um, man. We 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 talked about the American murder documentary oh, yeah, that was crazy and the cheshire murders will make that one look well not not but you know i, I agree with you it's I in think the same vein but even the cheshire worse. murders are worse the, the cheshire worst. murders are worse it's worse yeah
1: um dude let me ask you a question i was thinking about this this weekend and i was thinking i should ask francis this because he would know so in every movie and in not even just movies in life you hear about oh he had some shitty public defender he had some shitty public defender and I just am wondering, like, is there a, like a logistical reason why public defenders are worse? Like, I can't imagine that like they're dumb, like they're still lawyers, like they still have to study. Let me finish before you clarify. So my, my thought process is like, maybe they just have too many clients and that's why they can't d- dedicate enough time to the cases. They don't have a team of lawyers like these, these big fancy firms do that they can devote all of these like resources and people to because it's not like. Every lawyer just has it all in their head, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is the thought process that I was going through and I thought maybe you could help me with answering this.
2: Yeah. So the way I understand it and this I worked in the District Attorney's office as a paralegal uh in my like second or third year in New York with the intention of going to law school, bolstering my candidacy. That that was why I was there.
1: And you started law school?
2: I went to law school right. for 4 days, yeah. <laughs>
1: I love how Mike Francis is the is the legal expert here for that's, days. That's all I've got. <laughs> but, no, but no, you have enough By working in the DA's now, office, yeah.
2: I, I saw a lot of how these cases develop. Totally. And and basically, um you know, public defenders there there are there's kind of like two reasons to do it. Because it's a really thankless job. Right. You you have to believe there's two reasons. One is you believe so resolutely in our constitution. And the right for everyone to have a fair trial and to have their own attorney. Right. And you just you you believe in that. You're like a an, you're an ideologue. You're or an idealist. Excuse me. Uh, and you just you just say like, this is a this is a right I believe in. In the right. same way that you know, teach some teachers will go teach at like the worst public schools right.
1: to try uh, to make a difference, like a Brian Stevenson type. Yeah.
2: But, person. but it, 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 wears you down because yeah. you are, you know, your, your clients are lying to you constantly. You're, you're basically trying to help somebody who in many cases has done something horrific. Right. And you're trying to help them get punished less badly or, or fairly, I right. guess would be your mindset. Um, and so a lot of these public defenders will, I think they get like, they're required to take like a month off a year or they have like serious, it's like, you know, a week on a week. There's some kind like of literal- thing where like the, the state recognizes these people need to step away from the right. job because it's so soul crushing. <laughs> oh um, but I think, you know, uh, you can work in a, as a public defender for many years, and then you do you switch over to you know a private defense firm, right. and that's when you start making a lot more money because right. you've figured out the court systems, you've developed relationships with judges, you've you've understood, you've seen the playbook from both sides, you've seen you know how good prosecuting attorneys attack cases, you've learned how to fight against them, and then you. Uh, and then you go and, and what, join a white collar firm and, and start making tons of money Got defending it. guys like OJ and stuff. Got it. So, um, mm-hmm. but to your question, why, why are they bad? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think you get kind of both ends of the spectrum. Um, but for one, it's just not that high paying of a job, mm-hmm. right? So if you're going to be a defense attorney, you most people go where the money is and, and especially
1: because you're probably you just spent five hundred thousand dollars on college right right yeah exactly so, like, why wouldn't you want if you, know...
2: you lawyers who went to the top law firm or excuse me law schools are are typically going to big you know defense firms or right. big private law corporate corporate law firms because that's where the money is and then um so you know they're just like maybe they're just not as smart or as good and secondly, I think they get handed a shitload of cases, right. and they're brokering deals as quickly as they can. They're like pediatricians, like let's get in. You right, got the right. measles. Here's this. How come? How many clients can I see today? You know, I got I got 50 cases. It's much more often the case the, the situation where they're just like they're they're coming to they're settling right right with the other side and uh, and taking plea deals and stuff and trying to like a going to trial I I don't know how often private or public defenders are advocating to their clients like I firmly disagree with what the prosecution is pushing pushing for here and you've been falsely accused or or we have a real chance if we take this to trial usually I think most public defenders will only go to trial if their client insists upon it right insist insists, insists. insists. Right,
1: right like they'll try everything to convince them not to. yeah crazy man but
2: i'm not you know i'm sure a lot of that is just guesswork honestly right. from my side the other thing you see though which was cool i thought was that you would get these um you know on the other side of it the prosecution from from the da's side you would have these prosecuting attorneys who were trying to like you know put the bad guys away and they would do this for i don't know six Eight years, ten years, whatever, and then they would go work for big, got it, private defense. Right, I didn't know that that firms. was a thing. That's interesting. And they would get hired. They would get paid fucking a ton of money, right? And they would switch teams, right? Because they knew the playbook from that side of it. Interesting. And that was really valuable. And then you also have uh, when I remember the financial crimes department at the district attorney's office. Who you know these guys are, and the U.S. Attorney's Office too. They're prosecuting, you know, Enron and AIG and massive antitrust lawsuits for 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 billions of dollars, and they would do that, and then after they had done their time, they would go out of the public sector and go get hired as the in-house counsel at like J.P. Morgan, right, and right. get paid be you know get be, paid an insane be, amount of massive, money. massive massive amounts of money because. Those firms valued so much somebody who had come after them for so many years. They're like, we want you. That's crazy to now play for us.
1: And That's like with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Catch Me If You Can. He's like, yeah. he's like a counterfeiter. If you, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie, but he's like, it's a true story. It's about this guy who's just like committing fraud left and right, like a mastermind. And instead of putting him in jail, they just like hired him.
2: <laughs> I love that you're. I mean, who hasn't seen Catch Me If You
1: I, I dude, I, it's funny you say that. I was talking to somebody yesterday who had not. I feel like it's roundly that's, considered
2: one of the better movies ever made.
1: It's real. Yeah, it aged really well, too. It was good then. It's still good.
2: It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of this movie, uh, Titanic. I don't know if you guys have seen it. <laughs> there's a boat and it sinks. And, you know, there's a lot of life lessons. Dude, in I don't there.
1: know. I, I like I thought, too, that that was on that level. But like, I don't know. I've, I've encountered people recently who have not seen it.
2: I want to I want to talk to you about some stuff. Sure. So we have been given a. We've been kicked out of our apartment. We're getting kicked out. Really? Yeah. What? Everybody in the building is getting kicked out. No way. Yeah. What the fuck? The ownership team has decided they're going to convert all of the eight apartments in this building to condos to sell. Jesus. And I think one of the reasons is that among the ownership team there is a it's two like it's like a brother and his cousin and they they kind of inherited the firm or the building or the, the whatever it. the investment property and spearheaded it they're both i think italian and one of the brothers is great he's a total straight shooter great guy i've interacted with him a bunch lovely guy young kids love it the other guy is a wreck
1: the bad cop
2: he's a wreck dude he um
1: like he's a dick or he's just so like just
2: like just totally off the rails you know something's wrong with him Jesus. he's the guy who when i first moved in here two months in his buddy broke into my
1: apartment she, what did i
2: not tell you, you that never told me this. you don't know about no, that
1: please tell us i
2: was asleep in the I, bedroom i don't know the story this was before i was dating my girlfriend she was all alone uh Sunday night, three in the morning, I hear someone rummaging around in my bureau in the hallway right here. In the apartment. Yeah. And I opened up the sliding door a little bit and I saw this guy five feet away in my apartment. What'd you Middle do? Middle of the night. I kept the door kind of closed and I was like, What the fuck are you doing in here? The thing was I recognized him. Oh. Uh, he was I had seen him hanging out with the owner. Right. And the, at that time the owner was staying in an apartment in this building. Gotcha. And they would like hang out. They would listen to like loud, spooky organ music. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, That's dude. Crazy. And they would leave their door open. The door to their apartment would just be wide open. They were smoking tons of weed, and I don't even didn't even smell like weed. It could have been other shit. Jesus, dear. um, just real weird. And so this guy's in my apartment, and I. By the way, I sleep naked, so I'm like, I'm like, part of me is keeping the door kind of closed i don't want like (laughs) i feel very vulnerable yeah i mean yeah and i'm like he's like oh sorry i'm lost and i was like get get the fuck out of my apartment i'm calling the police what are you doing in here and he was like ah chill out man and then (laughs) and then he and then he walked out the the door down here and i saw him get into the elevator so i was like well he's going up to the street level and then i ran up upstairs to the front door and i the front door was open gotcha. so he had come in through that door and i waited and then he came out of the elevator and i took pictures of him oh wow and he goes don't take pictures of me why are you taking pictures of me just calm down man and i was like you just broke into my apartment i get the fuck out of here and then i called the police and I spoke to a dispatcher, I called 911, and she asked me to provide a description. I did. 5 minutes later, the cops were here.
1: That's impressive.
2: It's white privilege.
1: Uh, regardless, it's still impressive that they showed up so quickly.
2: It it was very impressive, but that's what you get when you live in a nice neighborhood. Right. Um and uh they had caught the guy. And these three, you know, beautifully uniformed n y p d officers come in with all their walkie talkies blipping and bleepin and they they were like uh you know what happened and blah 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 and then they they had them in a cruiser and so they they i guess they weren't they weren't allowed to like say you know is it a guy that looks like this Right. Because if they do that, That's they're like, like tipping my hand. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were like, we have a guy in the car. We want you to come out and look at him and tell us if he's the guy. And I came out and I looked at him and I was like, yeah, 100%. This is the guy, you know, wearing the yeah. same exact outfit. i 100% sure. I'm
1: impressed. They caught him so fast.
2: They caught him immediately. He was like one block away. He was just like walking. He wasn't even running or anything. And so, uh. They caught him, and then I had to go testify in front of the grand jury. What? Yeah. What? Because the the same district attorney that I had worked in that office was prosecuting this guy. I think this was one of a number of crimes that he had committed, but they they couldn't tell me he was trying
1: to steal shit from your apartment.
2: So I remember seeing that he was like buttoning up his pants when I saw him. (laughs) He's just jerking it
1: in your apartment. (laughs)
2: He I had a, a, a stack of like tax documents and health care forms that I had meant to take into my office at the time to shred because mm-hmm. they had compromising information. And I think he was stuffing some of those down his pants with the presumably with the intention to sell them or steal my identity, whatever.
1: And this is a guy who just been hanging out in the building with the owner of the building. Did he get a master key.
2: I don't I don't know. How the fuck did he get in? I don't know. Dude,
1: that's crazy.
2: I don't know. But but yeah, I mean, he's hanging out with one of the owners.
1: That's so sketchy.
2: And so I testified in front of the grand jury, which was pretty exciting. But this was the funny part. <laughs> um, this was the funny part. When I went in for a preliminary, like a pretrial hearing or whatever with the, not hearing, but like a, you go in for a meeting with the DA. Mm-hmm. And it was a woman. And she said, listen, you know, I've become aware that you're a comedian. And that you have a, a pretty sizable social media presence. And I was like, took you long enough. And <laughs> she goes, I've, I've realized that you are talking on your radio show about this case. You are blogging about it. You're putting Instagram things up about it. And you're tweeting about it. It's becoming very difficult to paint you as a victim. All right. When you keep joking about this stuff um every time you talk about it we have to turn it over to the defense as evidence
1: right jesus
2: you know having said that it like what you're putting out is pretty funny and i was like <laughs> you should have st- started with that because i it's much easier for me to accept criticism when it's couched in praise <laughs> and uh <laughs> i don't know what came of that That's guy crazy, I, but i ended up you know like I got a month of free rent for it all. That's good. Like, I reached out to them, which frankly should have been more.
1: Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now.
2: That's All of that nuts. is to say they're, they're, they're getting us out of here. Crazy. And so we've started looking for a new apartment.
1: That's so crazy.
2: And you probably get a good deal. We went and saw 6 apartments yesterday. How was it? Buddy.
1: Were you high for it? <laughs> or is this the real deal? Now? I was hung over for it. Oh man.
2: Which means that by the 3rd apartment, I was sitting down on the couch like a kid in a museum who can't handle it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was worn out and you know, she's looking through like cabinet space and you know, asking about the central air and I'm just sitting there being like, I don't even care. We can live on the street. Doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, but dude, here's the crazy thing. Cause I haven't looked for an apartment in three years. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. You, you
2: forget about a lot of it. And one of the things that's interesting is, you know, you go to these open houses where you are staggered with other people coming to see it by 15 minute increments. Right. So there's a lot of crossover. Either you see the, the people who saw it before you coming out as you go in and you pass, or you arrive a little early or something, and there's another couple waiting. Mm-hmm. I started to size us up against these oh. other couples, <laughs> and it turned into this competitive thing where I was like, well, this, these guys aren't even fucking attractive. Yeah. This is just a shittier version of us. No chance they should get this apartment. <laughs> this place is way too nice for them. They didn't even dress up. They're wearing sweatpants. <laughs> do they not give a shit? You That's know? You start to think, like, who deserves the apartment <laughs> the most?
1: So I was wondering, did you see any of the same couples at different apartments? No. Like, work in the circuit?
2: No. But you do, when you're in the apartment at the same time as another couple walking around with a different broker... You are. You feel like you're sharks, sort of circling the same dying, you know, fish.
1: Is it uncomfortable? Like, it's just a like, little that they're not there.
2: You know, you yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it seems like a weird little bit as fuck. because you start to think like, are we bidding against them? Right. Right. Um, are we? Uh, you know, are, are they gonna? Like at the very least, if we end up living here. Other people have walked through and been like, "eh, not good enough for us." Right, right, right. And then it makes you feel a little shittier about it, or I don't know, maybe it makes you feel better because they made an offer and you beat them. I don't know,
1: right? But how's the apartment market? Like, did you like the apartment? All right.
2: So everyone's like, New York City apartment rentals are are down twenty percent, thirty percent. It's it's a, it's a. There's blood in the streets. It's crazy out there, (laughs) and. I think there's truth to that in certain neighborhoods. Right. I think. Are you ha- looking
1: in the same neighborhood?
2: We are looking in the the worst possible places.
1: Meaning like the most expensive places? The, we,
2: are, we have not learned our lesson whatsoever. Yeah. We are not trying to find, you know, we're trying to find a deal. But right. we're looking in, you know, Chelsea, West Village, Greenwich Village, Soho, right. and Tribeca. You know, and class
1: and, A situations that are like more recession proof than other neighborhoods. Yeah, that's, yeah,
2: exactly. Like you know, there's a reason that these these open houses are 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 full. Um, yeah. whereas if we were looking in Hell's Kitchen, the Upper West Side, right, maybe right, some of right, the Upper right. East Side, or I, I don't financial know, financial district, yeah, places like that, luxury buildings are getting crushed right now. Right. New developments are are really in trouble. Um, and and the thing is this, right? Like. Rental yields in New York City were already pretty thin. Meaning, right, if you're an investor or or you buy an apartment with the intention of selling it as a co-op or renting it as a co-op, right? Um, and you hold this asset, especially if you've bought it in the last three to five years, you bought it at a time when New York City real estate was doing very well. Right. Which means that, you know, you bought it as an expensive thing, your mortgage rates are high you know you're paying a lot whatever your hoa fees your taxes all that's high Mm -hmm. and so even in the best of times for the rental market in new york city you were probably doing just better than breaking even right you don't start to make up
1: until like recently yeah even before this happened
2: yeah you don't make a ton of money renting a a property in new york until you've like paid your mortgage way down or all the way off and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're collecting gravy right so now that the, the pandemic has hit and rentals are, are – there's su- such a surplus of them. These people who own these places, how many months can they afford to just eat I the know. taxes, the mortgage, totally. all of that? They totally. need rent. Totally. And so you're hoping to find someone who's desperate, which is why you want to look on StreetEasy and see apartments that have been listed for you know 130 days and have that down arrow. That right. says like decreased ten percent in yeah. July, decreased another eight percent in September, decreased five percent in October, right.
1: or something's been on the market for a while.
2: yeah, and then you can start coming in with super low ball offers. My most successful friend in my life, who I've told you about before mm-hmm. and makes you know tens of millions of dollars in in finance, has been bidding on rentals that are like forty thousand dollar rentals yeah you know, full ha- family homes right. And he's coming in with like $17,000 offers. Wow. And at first, they're like he, he what he does is he just fires off using the StreetEasy app. He just fucking messages the broker and he's like, I'd be willing to pay this, but we could move in immediately. Right. And nine out of 10 people laugh at him. Right? <laughs> they're like, that's right. insulting. Last year we rented this for $80,000. This is a penthouse, five bedroom in Tribeca. It's worth this at least, like the owner won't consider.
1: Right, and he's like, "I right, well, fuck you." One
2: so, out of ten is like,
1: they counter at desperate, least. right?
2: Desperate, and they'll have a response, and then you start working with them, and you come up a little bit, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they feel a little better, and now you're getting your apartment the for length. way under right. what right. what it was market value. That's about. cool. Now he's having more success with that. I think when you're talking about these ultra luxury crazy places the 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 ability you know right. they're like nobody's looking for a fifty thousand dollar a month right. apartment there's a bigger in margin right to now. like drop the price the down. field we're playing in unfortunately is much more accessible to a lot more people right so a
1: lot of people who like still are working, yeah, and like have good jobs and like they can afford it still
2: and everyone is has the same mindset of like. We're, you know now's the time to look right, and, right 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 you know we're we are we have a flexible current lease we can get out whenever right. we want that you it's know got a better so price totally yeah so unfortunately we're not having as much luck but i i've been sending out these low ball offers and <laughs> the responses that i'm getting
1: are people pissed at you
2: they're just like they're like who the fuck do you think you are <laughs> yesterday I bid on a $16,000 a month townhouse in, you know, Union Square. Uh I I I bid well under half the list price. And they were like, "We literally got a $15,000 offer yesterday." Are are you kidding me? Like good luck, buddy.
1: That's crazy. But the
2: thing is we don't know where the bottom of the market is. Right. And we don't have to be out of this place until January 15th. So.
1: Oh, you have time.
2: It could get way worse. Right. And at that point, I want to come back to these Dude, I imagine it will. And see if the places are still listed. And be like, remember me, bitch?
1: <laughs> remember me, you little fuck face? Remember me, remember pal? Remember when you laughed at my... Have Here's offer. my offer, but in order for me to accept, you're accepting it. You're gonna to have to apologize. Yeah, and I want you buddy. to send
2: me uh, a picture of yourself wearing nipple tassels, <laughs> saying I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Would you send me a picture of your dick?
2: I want you to send me a nude as collateral for this apartment. <laughs> you know, something. That's great. I want these fucking Vengeance. suited dude. All these real estate guys, they wear the same fucking outfit to show the apartments. They're all in jeans and a blazer.
1: <laughs> just a bunch of keys and like a
2: polo shirt under the blazer. You're like, dude, you've tr- you've dressed for three different events. You dressed for a fucking wedding, a golf a golf outing and brunch. These three worlds don't blend. You don't look good and you're not selling me this apartment whatsoever.
1: Dude, it's going to get cold and you know I think it's going to be like you're going to have more success in a month and a half.
2: I think so too. But we did find an apartment we really like. Really? We did. Nearby? Not far. 15th and 6th. Love it. It's awesome. Sick. But get this. We were there on a Sunday. It's on the ground floor. uh, mm. And we go in and there is a line on the opposite side of the block. Directly across from the entrance to this place. Of maybe 300 homeless people. Mm. It's a soup kitchen. Uh. Now I have. No real problem with that. Yeah, I don't. But for a young woman in New York who you know coming home late at night, I I I have to consider her reality, which is that she just feels a little bit more nervous about that. Mm-hmm. And I I I feel bad even saying it, but you know that's just right it's just the i I wonder how much that like actually affects the property value you know
1: yeah you have to imagine it affects it i mean unfortunately like you said you know like same thing with like methadone clinics and stuff like they try to like clean up these neighborhoods and like build nice apartments but it has to negatively impact it when totally people sort of hanging out do it like you know right wandering around right yeah Yeah, unfortunately
2: yeah so i don't know i don't know
1: well dude um I was wondering, did you happen to catch the Kanye West interview?
2: I did not. I, I still haven't listened to it. Well,
1: I, do I? I don't even know if I have much interest. Fair, you know. I why are
2: we giving this guy who is unspooling?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why are we continuing to put him center stage? I think he needs
1: help. So I I listened to it, and you know I don't know. Like you said, you maybe don't need to listen to it. There's, he's definitely like bounces around a lot. But I also took. I took a lot of positive things from it. You know what I mean? I took, like, good. I, listening to him, and even though, like you said, you know, he definitely kind of shoots for the stars and like says a lot of shit. Rogan even calls him out for kind of like grouping separate thoughts together and Mm. like not elaborating on them. So he was kind of having to like reel him in and and whatever. But if you listen to it, it, I took away from it too that like you shouldn't be afraid to be creative. Because you know, like you can say what you want about Kanye, and like obviously he shoots from the hip and like says a lot of crazy shit. Lots of the time he doesn't know what he's talking about, but you can't take away from the guy that he's like innovated so many different things, yes. which they even point out like he made church cool, he changed the music industry, changed the fashion industry. Like he's done so many impressive things like that that you kind of are like, okay, well, this guy at least tries. He has a lot of energy, he does stuff, and it like inspired me to like focus and be creative. So.
2: I am rooting for Kanye West.
1: I wouldn't vote for him, but like. No,
2: I, I, I'm i rooting for him yeah. to find balance and to continue to innovate in the way that he has across genres and fields and really contribute wonderful things to this world, which mm-hmm. he has done for the majority of my life. Right. From, you know, his earliest album, uh, whatever the college, college dropout. dropout. All the way through all of his music, Mm -hmm. really, I mean, has been groundbreaking and spectacular to his fashion, his sneakers, uh, you know, all of that. I, I, I root for the guy. Right. And I don't hold his, like, MAGA thing against him. I think, you know, he's, I think he's, like, had some moments where his brain was just kind of, Twitching. Right. right. Malfunctioning. Malfunctioning a bit. <laughs> and he's checked himself in. It's like well documented. I mean, the, the, you know, the guy, the guy clearly, his brain is like such a powerful thing that it just, he can't control it all the time. Right.
1: So, another thing too that they were saying about that though is like a lot of the times the medicines that they want to put him on, they kind of just like lobotomize you. Yeah. Which like, even though it keeps, it makes life easier for your loved ones. Yeah. It isn't necessarily doing you justice. No. And,
2: you know? this is a creative person, perhaps the most creative person of all fucking time. He needs access to the, the fire.
1: Right. To do totally. So another, another thing that I, w- that it made me think about is like people kind of talk to me they're like, Oh, you're a comedian, whatever. And like, we know a lot of creative people, but I find that like most of the people that I know have that. I think part of it is a choice, like choosing to like explore that part of your brain. Hmm. And I think that like, and not just comedians, just like anything creative. You know, and yep. I think that everybody has it and like it's up to you to decide if you want to use it or not. Like you don't have to. And because like some of the most I've heard people that I know who don't do creative things say super fucking insanely creative shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I don't think it's fair to be like this person's creative. This person isn't creative. That I think everybody has it all and that you just get to choose what you want to do with it.
2: Maybe that may be true. I think on a more practical breakdown of it, this is what I've experienced in my life. There are people who are really good at succeeding within a structured environment, Mm -hmm. right? So a nine to five job, Mm -hmm. you know, needing to be places at a certain time, getting their work done, staying focused through the day, and then coming home and like living their outside life, whatever. Mm -hmm. I was always somebody who I tried to do that. Mm -hmm. I tried hard, you know, and and I was definitely on a track for that. And I was applying for finance jobs, my senior year of college and going to the interviews and like doing all of that and not having much luck because I just didn't have any interest in the fucking stock market. And I, I wouldn't, I couldn't read the wall street journal to prep for these interviews. Mm -hmm. And I I I did even the district attorney's office job which you know required me to be there from 9 till 5 every day. We had like whatever 10 vacation days a year and it was really strict. You had to show up and you had to do your bit your work. Mm-hmm. Even that job it, it just within a month it was me fighting not to fall asleep right. and being so disinterested. And the same was true of law school. And it was only the only two jobs that I've ever been able to focus on and get better at were comedy Mm -hmm. and tutoring. Mm -hmm. And the tutoring was good because I could creatively find ways to connect with kids. Mm -hmm. Every kid was different to me. And I needed to find out what made them motivated to do their fucking work and then i would i would play on that right um and so you know i think that it's it's different there are different types of people where like i just could not succeed right in a structured right environment right and you know maybe there are people who work in that environment and do really well who if they came over to our world would would do well too
1: or wouldn't or would right, right and because i think that's interesting too like the idea of like tolerance like how much tolerance do you have for that because i don't think anyone wants to be doing those things a lot of the time right like people those people don't want they wish they had more vacation they wish you know what i mean but they and i feel the same way like when i worked in a normal job quote unquote for like a year it was really fucking hard for me to do it mm-hmm. and even though there are very unique challenges with my current lifestyle it's definitely something that i feel that i can tolerate more than some of my counterparts who have a more structured life like you said yeah because it's really hard to, stru- to structure your own life you know what i mean yes. especially when you have to like be self-motivated and like if i don't sit down and think nothing's gonna happen you know what i mean right. like that's like a pressure so it's like yeah. i don't know
2: yeah it is there is a challenge in not having any obligations yeah yeah it's where hard. you know it would be easy to just fuck off and 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 not do anything all day totally but then what you're then you're just a lost loser
1: right right and it's, it's there's a there's a parallel with like on um, being an entrepreneur which like and granted you, i guess you could argue that we are but it's like it's completely kind of different also mm-hmm. but it's so those people like it's so much harder than like you know people like oh yeah you want to be that guy and then you can hire the people but like being the guy who gets hired is like much easier to do mm. than to like be the boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is why I think I have a, a renewed respect for like people who take that path the way that you did, where like you go to the good school, you get good test scores, you do whatever. And then like you get the opportunity to get these really good fucking jobs where like you don't own the company, but like you are getting paid a fuck ton of money. Right. And like it's easier. You get told what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know there's something no. there's something alluring to that as I, well
2: i i agree it wasn't it's i, I want to add this i was not struggling with authority it wasn't as if like the confines of that world were holding me back i i've, right. I've never needed you know the ability to comp- have complete control over my life i've been fine being coached and being held accountable for things and having a schedule. It was more that the work just didn't interest me, whatever, you know, especially whether it's like pushing money from one pile to the next or, or the the law stuff, the work that interests me is like, how can I convey the way that I see the world uh, in a way that other people think is either funny or interesting uh, or relatable or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that's a tricky thing. Totally. Um, but dude, it's, you know, I think it's never too late to try to inject some creativity into your life. Pick yeah. up a musical instrument or learn a language or whatever.
1: Totally. And it doesn't mean you have to quit your job. Yeah, You know, like you can do it. Like I, there's, how many people do we know who like didn't expect to end up doing what, like, doing, being a professional comedian or whatever, who then, like, ended up having to quit their job because they no longer could, they started to get so successful they had to.
2: Do we know a lot of those people? Kind of, yeah.
1: Really? Like, I know, I definitely know some people.
2: There are a lot of comedians I know who I want to say, like, you know, you, you, right. you have room for, for another job.
1: Right. <laughs> That's definitely true. You, no, could, oh, you could definitely
2: add Especially some early bartending on. to your life. Uh-huh.
1: And I think that there's value to that, too. Like, it's really important to keep your life together while you pursue it. Because yeah. if your life falls apart, it's really hard to, like, put energy towards right. being creative and stuff. But, dude, I, I so it's interesting you say that. You're like, work didn't interest me doing comedy and, like... Growing, doing that was interesting and kept my interest, all that stuff. That's very interesting as, to me as well, because I think there's like two reasons why you do, why you are where you are, like doing this. There's like that obvious reason. Now, For me personally, there's that, but there's also something else. Like there's this like weird thing where like, I felt like it was a way that I could like be noticed or something like some like fucking therapy session sh- discovery type shit. Yes. You know, like this is just, I'm just speaking for myself. But like when I was in college and stuff, there were all these like rich kids and like I felt bad about myself. It made me feel bad. Like, no one, like those kids got so much more attention. They got like all the girls and like they didn't do anything to get it. And a lot of the time they were like stupid. They were like these rich kids who like got into the school where like they're like they were lower on the totem pole in their high school, but because they went to a good high school, they got in. Mm -hmm. And there was like really smart public school kids there too. It was, like, one of those schools. And, like, these... And for me, I was, like, how can I, like, stand out? I think that that had something to do with it. You know what I mean? Were you bitter? No, I wasn't bitter, but, like, it certainly doesn't help when, like, your girlfriend from high school comes to be comes to be with you at college and then just, like, starts dating, like, in yeah, the I mean, circle of, like, the rich kids.
2: That's ins- I mean, that's insane. It's brutal. So, dude, like... It's just you know, it's, a that's, bad, sh- bad life event. Right. So that's
1: part of it. So I'm, like, how can I, like... I wonder if like to some, and I don't know how directly linear of a thing it is, but I wonder if I was like, how, what can I do that'll make people notice me? Yeah. How can I so you be, can't, how can you I get set some attention? out
2: with a chip on your shoulder. Like
1: me? I don't even know. Like, cause I didn't feel like it. I wasn't like, I'll show them. Like it didn't even feel that like that. So at first I like took on a job where there was a high earning potential. So I was like, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to make money. And then while I was doing that, I started like doing, messing around doing stand-up mm-hmm. and eventually just like got disenfranchised, like didn't, didn't enjoy doing my job anymore. And then kind of was like, I'm going to try to do this now. And it'll somehow like offset the fact that I don't have any money.
2: <laughs> yes. You know, listen, dude, we're in a time where our generation and I think the ones that have followed us uh have been led to believe in this immediate gratification mm-hmm. this instant success and i don't know if it's an entire country of spoiled kids or what but you know this idea that after you, you when you're by the time you get to college you should have a good idea of what you want to do after college and then you know follow this and you hit your check marks and by the time you're 30 35 you you've got your whatever your, your dream home and that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy, that's never been, when, when has that been the case? I know. You know, for our parents, uh, my dad and my mom both held five or six jobs before the ones that they ended up in, which were very, very different right, right, from right. what they ended up doing. My dad was a reporter for a local newspaper, and then he worked on a, a, a small you know, state senator's campaign run. And, and, and did all these kind of like random jobs uh, while he was figuring it out. And your 20s used to be a period of trial and error. Right. And I still think that hunting for the job that is right for you, if you can manage it, a process of elimination is not a bad way to go. Absolutely. Try different jobs. You know, get what you can out of them and it may sound like people are going to say like well it's easy to say that when you've got you know disposable income or, or money behind you listen i i was tutoring knowing full well that that wasn't what i was right like i was always able to pay my own rent even though i was trying lots of different things i was tr- i was tutoring studying for the LSAT uh you know going to law school withdrawing uh working in the district attorney's office, I bartended for for six months. I I I I've done all kinds of random shit before I finally got to a point where one, I knew the job that I hoped to have long term, and two, was finally able to live from that job. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I want, if there are any 22-year-olds or 23-year-olds listening right now coming out of college in this very uncertain time, if anything, I hope that the pandemic and the drier job market gives you a a moment to breathe and and, and, and to sort of relax and say, you know what, now I can really consider, since there aren't as many options available, Maybe I can, you know, everybody's moving with their family. It's not as stigmatized anymore. Take a moment to fucking think about what you want to do. Try for it. Go do it. And if it turns out you don't like it as much, don't be afraid to fucking pull out.
1: Totally. And by doing it, you just, by doing something that you don't like, you just get a step closer to doing something you do like. Yeah. You know, you learn and you can. Like, it's not a waste of time to try something out because you might end up liking it. Right. And it's not, and it's also not beneath you. This idea that, like, things are beneath everybody. Like you said, the instant gratification culture has made it like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like, you don't want to put in the work. Right. But, like, I think that the way Hollywood set up does a disservice for that because you think that people just, like, became superstars overnight. Mm-hmm. Like, most of the time, we know that's not the case. Like, people have been, like, at it, and especially in, like, what we do, but.
2: Yeah. I think John Ham. James Gandolfini. Those to me are the examples I think of when I think of Hollywood, because those guys were living in their fucking cars, going to auditions into their thirties, uh, getting you know a commercial here, uh, an, a bit part there, right. doing Ooh. some extra work, and then they, you know, John Hamm gets cast as as the lead of Mad Men. And now he's an A-list celebrity. James Gandolfini gets cast as Tony Soprano uh, and and becomes one of the most celebrated actors of all time. There there are plenty of stories that counter the idea of, like, you know, 18-year-old sort of child star who just continues to build from there. Right, 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 right. Totally. um, So take your time. I don't know. Don't be afraid to reset.
1: Yeah, you're not a loser because you're not making a million dollars and you're 23. Yeah you're have exactly. this to make you a loser.
2: All right, well, boy,
1: have- awesome.
2: Lots of life <laughs> lessons. It's a, a bit more of a self-help book that we threw at you today, but I uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed our episode of "Oops." Um, as always, send your thoughts or, or stories to Oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. Please follow our Instagram, our YouTube rate and re- leave a review um, for our podcast. Tell your friends about it. Uh, I'm at Francis Cicialis. He is not Julio with a J. And uh, we will see you on Thursday. And buy some merch. Hell yeah.